Nancy Goldfontaine. Nick hails with the Redskins Wednesday, and Joshua Johnson. If you're making laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. offensive coordinator in the world has the page where they go, okay, second and 14, here's what I want to run. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Um, what's that, Herb? You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Uh, every single week I keep remi- trying to remind myself to talk to wish people happy birthday in the NFL, whose birthday it is today. And last week was uh, Herb, 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 Herb Edwards' birthday, so I forgot to I forgot to play that last week. So there, there you go, Herb. Uh, I appreciate you. But uh, today is uh, James Harrison's birthday, as well as uh, one of Nick's favorite punters of all time, Ross Stark. Nick, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, how are you today on this great Star Wars day? Oh, yes, May the 4th. Um, i tell you what, I'm not doing as good as our buddy David Morgan, who officially inked a four-year deal with the Minnesota Vikings for $2.47 million. David was, of course, on the show last week and was later selected in the sixth round by the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and our friend from Tuesday last week, Miles Cooper, went, I believe, in the fourth round to uh, the Detroit Lions. So very happy for both of those individuals for one, giving us time, and two, for getting uh, getting drafted, watching their dreams come true. Uh, any uh, any re- any gut reactions to the draft there, Nick? Oh, not really. I just would uh, ditto your thoughts on congratulations to those two uh, having having their dream come true and getting drafted into the NFL. Yeah, yeah, we'll get a little bit, a little bit more in depth into the draft a little bit later on in the show. Um. But one draft story, and I'm sure, you know, the draft started Thursday, so we're almost a week from the beginning of the draft now. And uh, I don't know how many uh, gas mask mentions we will have on this podcast, but I, I would like to set the over-under at five. So let's, uh, let's see if we can get to that number and start, start us out with a little bit of Nick Rant. It's my favorite moment of the week. Where I give my co-host a floor to rant about something that's bothering him, something that's on his mind, and of course, with the NFL draft last week, it's probably going to be draft related, there, right? Yep, of course, it's uh, draft related. So, you know, one of the biggest stories in this year's NFL draft was offensive lineman Jeremy Tunsil slide down to the 13th overall pick to Miami. When it's been reported, he would have gone number six to Baltimore. Had the video of him smoking out of a gas mask bong not gone viral that morning. The slide, of course, cost Laramie millions of dollars, but his boss, Roger Goodell, chose to show no empathy at all. When asked about it, Goodell said, well, it's all part of what makes the draft so exciting. Well, I'm glad a young man's private information being hacked and publicized, which is a felony, got your draft better ratings. You know, all for the heinous crimes of smoking weed in college. And by the way, I'd be stunned if none of those top 12 picks that got picked ahead of him ever smoked. And it never smoked weed. And and then he got $300 from Old Miss to help pay his mom's electricity bill. Now, as far as the $300 go, if 99% of us were in that position, we would have done the same thing. And if you're one of the 1% who would care more about a stupid NCAA rule than helping your own mother, I don't really want to associate with you anyway. 
and as far as the gas mask video, you know, when I was college-aged, uh, late teens, early 20s, I was playing in a metal band, and if one of my buddies came over at all, hey, man, I just made a bong out of a freaking gas mask, man. You want to try it? <laughs> well, you know, at that age, I would have been all over it. And, you know, I loved the fact that when he was questioned about it, he owned up to it. He didn't try to lie or cover it up. He was mature enough to realize that coming clean you know, was his best option and that the cover-up could have been far worse than the crime and the stupid rule-breaking. Uh, you know, this whole situation made me kind of flash back to when Chicago drafted Cedric Benson, who, when interviewed after his podium visit, started to cry. And I figured, oh, he's going to say, oh, I'm so happy to be a Chicago Bear. Or, I've finally fulfilled my dream to be in the NFL. No, he pretty much said how happy he was that the stressful draft process was over. You know, at the time, I kind of thought he was a baby and that he was going to be a bust for sure just based on that interview. He proved me wrong. He had a pretty long NFL career for a running back. And now that I'm older and wiser, I kind of understand more how difficult the process really could be for some of these young men to basically be as vetted and investigated as presidential candidate while also maintaining an athletic edge. It's got to be tough for these 21-year-old 20, kids, right? Yeah, one would think they might need to smoke a little weed to take the edge off. But uh, <laughs> um, did it sound like there was a little bit of extra wah on wah pedal on that intro for Nick Rance? I, I don't know what that came from today, but it sounded a little more wah wah than normal. But anyway, um, maybe it was the weed. Uh, anyway, yeah, weird, <laughs> odd story there coming out. Uh, obviously, with the uh, with the gas mask, I think that makes three mentions here now. But. Uh, it, and I think even weirder is maybe Miami was using that same gas mask as where it mentioned number four there. Because they said they think they might try him at guard first. How do you take the best left tackle in the draft and say, oh, let's try him at guard for a year? Because that won't totally screw up his NFL career or his mindset. Uh, you know, don't don't hold it against him that he slipped. Be happy and protect your damn quarterback. Put him at left and hope Brian Tannehill can complete enough passes for five years to make get your team into the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, I was a little surprised by Goodell's comments too, and uh, yeah, and and I do empathize with uh, Cedric Benson. That's a very very good point there. Uh, knowing that the process is over. Um, you know, some guys that made it through the draft without getting drafted, there was a whole bunch of names that surprised the heck out of me. Every year there was some, a few surprises, but, man, there was a lot of them this year. Kiaris Garrett and Jeremy Cash being the top two. I mean, Kiaris Garrett, 6'3", 220 pounds, runs a four five five forty. I mean, granted he is not the best receiver, obviously, in the class, you know, but I would consider him potentially the t a top 10 wide receiver. Now I can't as we're going to get into our top 10 wide receiver rankings because he, I mean, and he did sign a, a, a uh, undrafted free agent deal with Carolina, but uh, I, I just don't know what NFL teams didn't like in him. I think he is mainly a deep threat. He's able to get deep. That is his strength. Uh, but when you have somebody, that, somebody like that, that, that size, you expect them to be able to go over the middle. I certainly don't think that is his strong suit, but uh, yeah, just a couple of weird storylines for me coming out of the draft, but good uh, good job of Nick Branch there, as always. But so let's get in. Like I said, we're going to do a reshuffled, revised, whatever you want to call it, top 10 wide receiver rankings now uh, post-draft. Uh, we're going to do a dynasty dilemma, keeping in the receiver theme as we do Corey Coleman versus Laquan Treadwell. We'll do a little bit more of an in-depth in-depth 
draft recap, and then, of course, some dynasty trade analysis, followed by our dynasty top 12 as DFW48 rookie draft started today. Um, 36 starts on Friday, Nick. 16 starts on Monday, and the Curly's League starts next Wednesday. And any me- any minute now, well, I- I'm in a startup that's starting too, so... Uh, what a fun couple uh, couple of things to happen over these next couple of weeks as these things get going underway. Um, so DFW 48, Nick, we've seen, if you're not familiar with that league, it is a uh, four copies of each player. Obviously, you can't own more than one copy of one player. Were you a little surprised at the first? Obviously, you weren't surprised the first four picks were Ezekiel Elliott, but were you a little surprised the next four were all Laquan Treadwell? Oh, definitely was surprised. Uh, yeah, that, you know, I'm not surprised that Laquan Treadwell was one or two of those, but I was very surprised at all four people that he was a unanimous number two overall pick. Yeah, and, and you know, this is a, a very, this is a very savvy league with 48 owners that, that deserve to be in the, uh, amongst this type of competition. So I, I, I tend to trust that ma- that majority of, of knowledge over, e- you know, even myself. So if, if you, if you're thinking about how things are going to go, you know, and you're wondering if one is going to go to in your rookie draft, maybe, maybe that does, uh, does tell the tale already there, but uh, why don't we just start with them? Actually, let's, what, Start, we're going to start number 10 and go backwards with our revised ones, but is there anybody, Nick, that didn't make your top 10 that you really wanted? Um, as far as his top 10 receivers? Yeah, anybody that didn't make your top 10 rookie receivers, yep. Um, well, one guy uh, in Green Bay, Trevor Davis, you know, I admit that he's definitely not a top 10 guy, but whenever a normally high-powered offense with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers adds a guy with 4-4-2 speed, i got to keep him on my radar, especially when both starting receivers have injury histories. Uh, the wide receiver four, Jeff Janis, he could be good, but we've really only seen it from him in one game. And if I owned Devontae Adams, I would definitely be looking to add uh, Trevor Davis as almost like a wide receiver handcuff in case Adams loses playing time or even his roster spot. Um, the fact that Davis is also a good returner, you know, a lot of times when coaches are making tough cuts, that can play into their decisions on who to keep and who to let go. So Trevor Davis is somebody that's definitely on my radar that's out of the top ten. Yeah, that's a, a, certainly a different situation. And didn't they take another wide receiver too, I think? Oh, man, it's, a lot of teams kind of backed up, backed themselves up on a lot on certain positions that they didn't need to, need to it seems like, anyway. But, uh, uh, yeah, they also signed uh, Geronimo Allison to a uh, – undrafted free agent deal. So there's there's a lot of bodies there in camp. You know, Ty Montgomery's still in there. He certainly had some return things. And, you know, I kind of looked at the Trevor Davis pick as this this would probably knock Randall Cobb out of the return game completely, which would probably, uh, probably be good in that aspect there for uh, – for the, for the Packers and hopefully for uh, Cobb's future. But uh, um, as far as my top ten guys that didn't make it um, – Demarcus Robinson, he's had the, the the marijuana issues there coming out of Florida, but he's going to Kansas City, and yes, it's Captain Checkdown at quarterback. But you know, if Jeremy Macklin's still still young, if he could grow in this offense, he could be a very Macklin type of player. And if you know when Macklin's contract runs out, I think he's got two more years left on that deal. 2016 included in those two years, you know, he could potentially take over. Yes. Chris Conley's still there. And DeAnthony Thomas is still, is still shuffled around that locker room. But, 
I if he, he can keep his head on straight, and I think Andy Reid is certainly the guy that is able to do that. Uh, I think that he could potentially be a very good player. Uh, Farrell Cooper, I just couldn't squeeze in into my top ten either. I do like the fact that the Rams went out and drafted a bunch of pass catchers. I think they also signed three wide receivers after the after the draft. Some undrafted free agents. They signed Nelson Spruce. Um, out of Colorado, they signed a big target, Marquez North, out of Tennessee, and there was one more. But yeah, that, I like the fact that they went out and got a bunch of pass catchers there to kind of. Oh, Paul McRoberts out of southeastern Missouri State, or something, something to that effect, to direction whatever directional Missouri school it was, but. Uh, so they certainly have a lot of competition there. Farrell Cooper is very Tavon Austin-like. I think he's probably a little bit more of a harder runner. So uh, and hope maybe that opens up lanes for Tavon Austin. But I, I'd like to see him get some good reps. And they also grabbed uh, uh, Mike Thomas, who is going to be in my top ten. And, Nick, I, I know we're doing running backs next week, and we might do a couple dilemmas. But I think right now, while the iron is hot and before we know a lot, I think next week our dilemma should be Michael Thomas versus Michael Thomas because that's going to be not only is it fun to, to say and confuse people with, but it's just it's, I think it's a good time to do it. So you'll have to tell me Ohio State or Southern Miss later <laughs> later on tonight. But uh, but who who do you got at uh, number top number ten in your top ten? Uh, number ten, I have uh, Cleveland's Ricardo Lewis. He's big at six foot two and two fifteen. He also also got some pretty good speed. His hands aren't the best, but if he can uh, if he can work on that, then he could be more boom than bust. But you know what? Uh, Cleveland drafted so many receivers. I, I definitely wouldn't fault you if you had his fellow uh, Cleveland rookie Jordan Payton rated higher than Lewis. It's pretty much a you know pick your flavor type of deal with uh, Cleveland's wideouts, other than of course Corey Coleman. Yeah. And I'm a little bit more on the uh, Richard Higgins part of that uh, four running backs in day three uh, cluster there for uh, four wide receivers, rather, for uh, Cleveland. So uh, we'll see how that situation works out. Um, gosh, I don't think this really thought that was their top need either, but, uh, you know, they, at least they got some taller guys finally for once. Uh, number 10, I got Tajay Sharp, and I realize he is a little bit of a project, but I I really think he's the type of player that Mariota was very used to in Oregon. Granted, he's not he's not like a four three burner like a lot of those a lot of those ducks there, but uh, he's he's a guy that can do the dirty work in the intermediate, but he can also get deep and he can turn you know, those five and outs into, into some something really special there. And it's going to, like I said, it's going to be a year um, or two, but if he can grow with Mariota and obviously DGB on the other side, I think that could be uh, very nice. And since they have the uh, two-headed cluster in the backfield right now with uh, DeMarco and Derrick Henry, I think uh, I think Tajay is certainly going to see a, a lot of uh, single coverage there moving forward there. So that's what I got at number 10, Mr. Tajay Sharp. Who do you have at number nine there, Nick? 
I got nine. I got a guy you already talked about a little bit in Farrow Cooper. I just think I look at the receiving core there in L.A. and you, you mentioned they added a whole bunch of guys, uh, but it was all late round picks and uh, undrafted rookies. So there's not a whole lot of really top end talent. I mean, Kenny Britt, Brian Quick, uh, Tavon Austin. The, the, it just seems to me that Farrow Cooper is going to have a, more of an opportunity to contribute early than a lot of the other rookie receivers. So I have him there at number nine. Yeah, I, I like I like him. He's got good hands, and like I said, he he reminds me a little bit of Josh Josh Huff, uh, the, another duck. I just in the fact that he, you know he's got that five eleven frame, but he's over two hundred pounds, so he's got he's really thick, and he's not a, he's not your typical slot guy that you can you know trip up pretty easy. He's he's a guy that's gonna gonna work for extra yardage, and I think. Uh, um, obviously, golf especially is going to uh, love that. It's going to take a couple of years, obviously, for that Rams def- or excuse me, offense to gel. Their defense is just fine, but that offense to gel. But they could they could potentially be very special there. Number nine, I have Thomas. That's Southern Miss Thomas. We'll call him Mike for now to avoid confusion. But now our guy Mike Kraft is really big on this guy and. So he's kind of the reason I continue to go back and watch and watch him. And there, there is a few things that he does. And with the fact that they have other pass catchers and guys that, you know, those little slot guys that can create havoc and, and use their speed and the intermediate stuff, Thomas is a guy that I believe can get deep. And he's another guy that can turn a short, short reception into something pretty special there. And I think golf is going to have a nice connection with him. He can do a lot of the things, and I think, I could think he could do things better than Kenny Lawler, who was a wide receiver that uh, Goff had at uh, Cal there. So I, I, I like uh, that Southern Miss Michael Thomas quite a bit, and I would I would even consider him at the end of the end of a first round if if that situation presented itself and there wasn't you know if there was just kind of a slew of RB twos there, I would certainly go with Thomas over that. Who do you have at number eight there? Uh, number eight, I have uh, Malcolm Mitchell in New England. Uh, again, it's about the wide receiver depth chart. There's a lot of bodies there, but not a lot of top-end talent. Uh, Chris Hogan, Nate Washington, Danny Amendola, they're all good players, but it's not impossible to see uh, Malcolm Mitchell carving out uh, a role in that depth chart there. I love Malcolm Mitchell. <laughs> um, uh, just in case you're wondering, uh after the uh, four copies of Elliot and the four copies of Treadwell, we have one Corey Coleman of 0. 1.09, uh, 1.10 Josh Jackson, and 1.11 Derek Henry. So three different names there to throw at you. So that's interesting to see how 48 is going there. Um, Did you say Derek Henry I went love in Derek. 48? Yes. Yeah, the first wow, copy of Derek Henry. That, that is you shocking know, to me. Yeah, well, and we'll maybe get into it more next week with the running backs, but DeMarco Murray, what, has two years left of solid production? Maybe they're grooming Derrick Henry to be the next DeMarco Murray. And if you, and if you can, you know, keep his, keep his touches down year one to keep him healthy and let, let him watch Murray be successful and see what, what works and what doesn't work for Murray, I think they, that could be something very special there for the Titans. I am a little shocked that it was a little bit early, but Malcolm Mitchell – I got no problem taking this guy in the first round. It sounds almost almost dirty to think that now, and it is a New England skill player. But there's a lot of there's a lot of things to to uh, siphon through there because New England also 
drafted Arizona's Devin Lucian, Arizona State, excuse me, Devin Lucian, and they signed another Arizona State wide receiver, DJ Foster. So they have a couple potential slot guys to replace Edelman down the line. Uh, but Mitchell is big. He's not huge, but he's you know six six foot six one, around the two hundred pound mark. Like a lot of Georgia guys, he's super super fast. Did have an ACL tear, but he still still ran a sub four five forty. Uh, he's going to play get a shot to play the X receiver there, and that's the position that Cleveland or excuse me Cleveland. How did I miss it? Cleveland, New England. That's a position that New England has not really had really since probably Randy Moss. Um, And I'm not saying he's going to be Randy Moss, obviously, but I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity there. And with, you know, a safety and potentially a nickel back trying to, trying to, you know, keep Gronk and Martellus Bennett at bay and other, you know, other, the other safety, keeping an eye on Edelman. I think Mitchell could have a very special rookie year, and it might be a little bit touchdown dependent, but I think I think he could be very good. And moving forward, if obviously if you get a guy down on New England and he's going to get the, the kind of snaps that I, I think he will, you, you have to look at that situation seriously and be excited about it. Malcolm Mitchell out of Georgia, he's somebody that was I think kind of. Out of my, he was out of my top fifteen a couple weeks ago, but after landing spot, he's now he's now at uh, my number number eight there. So who do you have at number seven, Nick? Uh, at seven, I have Will Fuller in Houston. Now I'm a little hesitant on him. You know, I'm not saying Braxton Miller is going to be better, who Houston also drafted. But you know, a couple of years ago, not many people said that Alan Hearns, who was drafted in the seventh round, was going to be better than Marquise Lee, the second round pick for Jacksonville. So you know, I hesitate a little bit when teams take multiple players at the same position, especially when they're within two rounds of each other. Will Fuller, first round pick. Braxton Miller, third round pick. Yeah, I think Braxton Miller's got a couple years before we see fantasy worthiness out of him. I really do. He's got a lot to learn. I got Will Fuller actually six, but well, so I'll get to him more in a second. But number seven, I have the other Mike Michael Thomas in New Orleans. Sure glad I got rid of at least one of my Willie Sneed shares because I think Thomas is going to replace obviously Colston. I know people have been saying that, but it's it's the truth. He's going to replace Colston in that offense. He's going to give them a big target that's going to offset Brandon Cooks. You know, so so long, Brandon Coleman. It, it was fun to dream with you last year, but uh, yeah, I just I, I think Thomas is going to be a player that Drew Brees immediately falls in love with. He's probably going to see a hundred targets this year. Cooks is going to get a hundred and fifty, and they're going to be better targets because because they have to obey Thomas on the other side, and you know, Kobe Fleener up the middle too. So, New Orleans, I don't necessarily quietly, but New Orleans put together one hell of an offseason. They signed some pretty decent role players on defense. I think they drafted well. I didn't wasn't crazy about them trading up to get Von Bell. Uh, but some of the stuff they have done with their offense, I also like to add of Daniel Lasco down the road in the draft. So he, he certainly jumped up on my rankings because, you know, they like to use all their backs there. So he's, he's a guy that has a lot of athleticism and do some good things. Uh, Michael Thomas, he yeah, the, the opportunity, just like Malcolm Mitchell, is going to present itself there, and Drew Brees is going to fall in love with him pretty darn quick. So who do you have at number seven there, Nick? 
Uh, or so number seven was Will Fuller. Number six, I, I also have Michael Thomas uh, from the Ohio State that's now in New Orleans, Michael Thomas. You know, uh, again, like you said, uh, Willie Sneed and Brandon Colden owners, sorry, it's it's Michael Thomas's job now. So he's definitely a guy, you know, it's a Drew Brees wide receiver, so a lot to like there. Yeah, so I got Will Fuller six. We flipped Fuller in, in the Ohio State, Michael Thomas here. But this is the best situation Will Fuller could have could have wished for. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. Uh, obviously, Corey Coleman would have, would have been the only more dangerous weapon here for this for this Houston team. But uh, yeah, this is the best situation for him. It just what they can do, and even if Miller comes in and and does Braxton Miller comes in and just creates that kind of decoy thing, it's going to leak leave Fuller, uh, you know, open downfield. And he's another guy that could certainly be touchdown dependent. But you gotta, you got to respect DeAndre on the other side and let the rookie beat you. Fuller's a guy that I think could have a very good rookie year. I'm not sure with, with the longevity of him because I don't think he's an uber-great prospect. He's, he's certainly had a lot of production in college, but I just don't think he's the complete product. And, hey, maybe play it along. DeAndre Hopkins is going to certainly help him out. But uh, I think it's a great situation for him, especially these first couple seasons there for Will Fuller. Who do you have at number five then? Uh, number five, I have Tyler Boyd in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, this year he may end up just being in the wide receiver three there for the Bengals behind Brandon LaFell, but LaFell's not a long-term answer at number two opposite A.J. Green. So I think probably in year two at the latest, Tyler Boyd's going to be starting in Cincinnati uh, with quarterback Andy Dalton, who's one of the top fantasy performers, you know, seemingly year in, year out now. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a great fit for Tyler Boyd landing with the Bengals. So I got – I also have Boyd there. One thing that concerns me about Boyd, and, and I almost wanted to put him ahead of Sterling Shepard, but I, I didn't. One thing that concerns me about him is the fact that um, since he doesn't seem to use that third receiver very much, when, and then they tend to throw to to Geo a lot more, as he, as he looked – Look at the targets last year, A.J. Green, 132, Marvin Jones, 103, and then their third receiver was essentially Mohamed Sanu, 49, so half of the targets. I'm not sure how that is across the board norm-wise for the uh, the NFL. Eifert was 74. They're out of the tight end spot. Geo, 66. And uh, so Jeremy Hill only had 19 targets there, so – they obviously everybody has their role in that offense, and and it, we'll see what LaFell can do. I like LaFell in his size, but I I, I almost think that he might be a little better served uh, as a mismatch guy, you know, on third down, kind of in the slot, and let Tyler Boyd do his thing. One one thing that I do like about Tyler Boyd is he could play any wide receiver position. Ask him to. You could even throw him in the backfield in the shotgun formation alongside of uh, alongside of uh, Andy Dalton if you need to, the red rifle, of course. So I, Boyd does a lot of great things, and his ability or potential, I should say, to grow with A.J. Green for, a, for at least a couple of years in that offense excites me, and I think he's going to be very good. And I, I think he might be better better sooner than a lot of people think. Cause I, as much as I love Brandon LaFell, I really liked him in that New England offense. He was pretty much average player in Carolina. We'll see what a new change of scenery does for him. 
excuse me, here in Cincinnati. Who do you have at number four there, Nick? Well, um, I may need to rethink this now after seeing the results in DFW 48's draft, but uh, I actually have Laquan Treadwell all the way down at number four. A lot of it's due to the landing spot. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is kind of a conservative type of quarterback, uh, some rumblings about him being Alex Smith 2.0, that type of thing. But you know what? When Adrian Peterson retires or, you know, hits that wall like all running backs do, you know, maybe we'll see the Vikings shift to more of a passing attack, kind of the same way the Seahawks did this year when Marshawn Lynch was same player he used to be. So, uh, you know, I may end up moving him up a little higher. This is still pretty early, but right now I have Treadwell at number four. So interesting development on the Treadwell and Coleman that we're going to do here a little bit later on. Alan Satterley, who had the that 1.09 pick, actually traded it with the 2017 first for Laquan Treadwell, who was just drafted and is 2017 second. Uh, so somebody drafted Treadwell and then immediately traded him to draft Coleman and got an extra first in return and only cost him a second there. So interesting move uh, there. As, uh, I suppose if you can get if people respect Treadwell that much and you want to move him right away, I guess you can do that. We'll get a little bit more on those two in our dilemma. Um, I got Sterling Shepard number four. My first initial gut reaction after seeing that, that the Giants took and was like, what are they, Cleveland? They don't want any wide receivers over over six feet tall. But then I was just like, well, you know, Shepard has a 41-inch vertical, so who cares how tall, he was, how tall he is? If he can get up in the red zone and, and get those contested balls, we, we know he's that quick-twitch athlete. We know he's a great anticipation guy in terms of coverage. So I think he could do some special things in that offense. And that Giants offense looks to be just kind of really, really speed driven with those two guys on the outside. So uh, I like Shepard and I, I wanted to give him, get him a little bit higher, but I just don't, I think Shepard has a definite ceiling to his game where he's, he's not, he's not, Antonio Brown, he's not Odell Beckham, but he, he's certainly going to be a very, very good player. Maybe maybe he's a little bit better than a Brandon Cooks. Maybe that's why I want to say that he is, but I don't think he's an elite wide receiver. So that's why I have him number four. Who do you got number three there, Nick? Uh, I have Sterling Shepard there, number three. And I definitely admit Laquan Treadwell is a lot safer of a pick than Sterling Shepard. Treadwell's probably the safest of these top four receivers, actually. He's got the highest floor. But, uh, you know, I love the landing spot for Sterling Shepard there in New York. You're going to have single coverage every single game with Odell Beckham commanding respect on the other side. So I, I think Shepard maybe had the best landing spot of any of these top ten receivers. Okay, so number three, I have Josh Doxson. What happened to your theory about them drafting wide receiver and getting rid of D-Jax or Garcon? I was expecting that to happen all of day three, Nick, and it didn't happen. And that, that, and that maybe limits me early on for him. And I, He was the guy that I was most excited about. I thought if he was drafted anywhere, he would immediately be a wide receiver one. And, of course, everything that I thought was squashed by the draft on Thursday night as he went to Washington – I still think he stands a chance to be the wide receiver one. I just don't know if it's going to happen this year or next year. I mean, it should happen next year, but I thought it was going to happen on draft night. So and any any thoughts there on Doxon as you probably have him number two, number one? What do you got? Or you uh, have him number I, one? I, 
Uh, no, I have him number two. Uh, you know, because okay. like you said, they they did they did keep both Garcon and Deshaun Jackson. So your one stats probably are not going to be great. But you know what? If you're drafting in the top five, you're probably not in a win now mode anyway, unless you traded for the pick and got lucky there. So you know, he's a guy with both uh, Garcon and Jackson set to be free agents next year. He could easily be the team's wide receiver one next year. So I I, I don't discount him too much, uh, as much as some other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know this is a dynasty list, and obviously you want a receiver with longevity. But like Nick said, if you're drafting in that top five, you expect a guy to come in and get you production year one. And I think his with Doxon, his could be very limited, like Nick said there. So that that holds his value just in check there. I think for for a little bit of a year, and not to mention, you know, Kirk Cousins, who, who knows who, who knows who could be their quarterback next year with Cousins playing under the franchise tag there. So, um, But uh, who do you – oh, sorry. Let's go to mine, number two. I got uh, – I also have Laquan Treadwell there at uh, number two. Um, so I guess you had him a little bit lower than that. But uh, I think he steps into a pretty good situation, and, of course, I'm going to be talking against him here in a few minutes. But uh, – it is a safe pick, but I think for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who's teetering on the edge of breaking out or just, you know, being kind of a vanilla quarterback, sorry for the bad pun there, Teddy. Uh, but uh, I think it's a great player for him. It's a guy that he can count on as a guy that can move the sticks, move the chains, be that possession guy. Um, I think – in the long run, and I, I thought long and hard about this, and, and I've been comparing Treadwell to Marvin Harrison for, for a lot of the uh, this uh, whole draft draft process leading up to it, but I think the best-case scenario, and this is just simply the player, not all the off-field BS, but I think Treadwell has, like, Keyshawn Johnson potential where he's not – the, you know, he's not the quickest, he's not the biggest, but he just comes in there, gets the job done. Very much like a Vince Jackson probably nowadays, if you guys are not old enough to appreciate what Keyshawn did back in the day. So I, I think that's a pretty fair comparison to him. And I got I got him at number two, uh, so I think that leaves Coleman at number one for both of us. Is that right, Nick? Uh, that's right. You know, Corey Coleman, he's already pretty much going to be the team's wide receiver one as long as he can beat out Brian Hartline and Andrew Hawkins. So, and we've seen with the Andre Hopkins, uh, the talent uh, kind of trumps the situation sometimes when you have less than elite quarterbacks. And, you know, right now it's going to be Robert Griffin likely at least starting the season in Cleveland. Next year, who knows? Maybe Kirk Cousins just kind of follows uh, Robert Griffin around pushing the ground over where he goes around the NFL. Uh Thank you for the cousin mentions. That reminded me what I was going to say. I think the winner, actually, in the whole Docs into Washington thing, the true winner is, let's not forget, Jordan Reed is also still there, and he's going to get his 100 targets. And even if they go, you know, three, four wide receivers wide and Jordan Reed's still in the game, they still have Jamison, Jamison Crowder in this team. So, I mean, there's there's no way Jamison Crowder is going to have more than – one player guarding him for the next two years. Am I, am I right, Nick? I mean, maybe if both Garcon and Jackson are gone, but Crowder stands to have a pretty solid rookie season with a bunch of bunch of other talented receivers, and he and he's a guy that really proved me wrong. Could move the sticks there uh, for Washington and became a pretty 
decent PPR option there for a couple couple midweeks there in his rookie year. So I think he stands the chance to be a, a, a nice buy low candidate, candidate as a compliment for Dotson down the road, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Very, you know, even this year, very sneaky, like, flex wide receiver play. And I agree with you. I, I didn't think he was going to be able to produce at the NFL level either just due to his very small size. But, you know, he proved both of us wrong and was a very effective slot receiver there for Washington. Mm-hmm. And he's a tough kid. The one one thing that you got to look at, I think, if you want to downgrade somebody for their height, you know, look at their – even if they don't – you know, even if you don't – even if they still weigh under 200 pounds – just look at their frame. Look at how they're how they you know sculpt their body. Crowder is a guy that's got a thick chest, and he's he's not a guy that's gonna you know bear down from or you know shy away from anything. He's a guy that's built very solid and gonna just do what he can to get the extra yards. So I like him. I think he's a big winner in all of this there. So Coleman, of course, my number one too. He's not the safest pick, and there is certainly you know bust potential there because he's, you know, got the dog pound mask on. But I just there's so much there's such a high ceiling there for him. Could he be Josh Gordon? Could he be Odell Beckham? We we don't we don't know and obviously people don't want to think that since he's in Cleveland. And yes, he is a the automatically the wide receiver one, but don't tell me that Robert Griffin III and Ham already haven't hooked up saying, well, we can do this, this, and this because we both know the Baylor offense. Uh, you you know if Griffin could just give him a look in the huddle at certain points of the game and be like, okay, run that run that hook pattern, and, and, and I know where you're going to be. I think it's a good way to jumpstart his career. Obviously, Griffin's got health concerns and whatnot, and if they can keep him protected, I think Coleman could have a very good year, even if Griffin doesn't have a good year. I think Coleman could have a very fun year in Cleveland, especially considering the fact that this Cleveland team's not going to be that good, so they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So, yeah, Coleman, number one, just on pure sexiness that you want to gamble on, I think you got to go with Coleman, number one. And I, even though DFW 48 didn't reflect it, I think that's kind of the consensus right now. In, in the whole football world, fantasy and not, that Coleman is potentially the best wide receiver, and he was the first wide receiver off the board there. So, uh, we we both have Coleman number one. You're going to see Treadwells. You're going to see Doxons out there. Um, I know Mike Mike Kraft's got tre- uh, Coleman number one as well. I'm sure Bill and Dan both have both have Treadwell number one, but. Uh, yeah, Bill and Dan both have Treadwell number one. Uh, Graphics, of course, got a number three. Me and me and Mike both have Tr- Coleman number one there. So, and then Dan's got Coleman number three. Bill's got a number two there. So our, our Ricky rankings were posted yesterday. The top fifty and and all the all the rest of the positional ones, offensive wise, they're going to be updated and reposted again tonight. So don't check it. Don't check it until late tonight or tomorrow morning if you really want to get in deep. But you know, hey. Rookie drafts are just starting, so you don't probably don't need those later round guys until then. But we did some did some updating. We tried to get every single drafted wide receiver in there, as long as some uh, UDFA's in there. So so make sure you check that out. Top fifty, of course, is big, and our our, our d- defensive ones are coming there. We it's a lot. You have to do a lot there with the defensive rankings, especially after the draft. Add all the teams, 
you know, get the schemes in there and whatnot. So, uh, and then at the top 75, once you redo that, then you have to go rework the rest of your rankings. So those are coming. So please be patient. We got those coming for you. So make sure you check that out. But, Nick, it is Dynasty Dilemma Time. Oh, yes, it is. Um, Corey Coleman versus the Quan Treadwell. Now, you had Coleman number one, but you had the choice and you actually chose to defend Treadwell there. So that means you get to go first. And uh, we get to hear what you say on uh, Treadwell. So I don't have the music ready, so uh, just uh, here it is. One second. Well, you're right. I did have Corey Coleman uh, number one, but sometimes it's healthy to try to look at things from a different perspective. So that's why I went with Treadwell. And uh, pretty much the biggest knock people seem to have on Laquan Treadwell is that he's going to be a possession receiver as opposed to a big play guy like Josh Dockton or Corey Coleman. But that is exactly why I would think about drafting Treadwell over Coleman. Possession receivers in PPR leagues, which is pretty much the standard now, uh, they have pretty high floors, whereas big play guys can really cost you. Just look at a guy like Deshaun Jackson. Seems like he's in the top 30 wide receivers every single year, but he gets all his points in five or six games and then does nothing for you for nine or ten weeks. 30 points or three points, feast or famine. I prefer the possession guy. Seven catches for 70 yards every week and a touchdown every other week. Uh, plus, Treadwell has a solid, young, and still improving quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. And while they didn't throw a whole lot last year, a lot of that is because Adrian Peterson is still elite. But the day is coming sooner rather than later that that will no longer be the case. And we've seen with Seattle what happens to offenses whose stud running backs hit the wall. They open things up more. They play to the strengths of the players that they have. Remember, Treadwell was close to a consensus number one wide receiver in in the draft before he didn't do as well at drills wearing shorts and a T-shirt. Corey Coleman did perform better at the Combine. So I guess if this was a flag football fantasy draft, I'd go with Coleman. You know, actually, I'd go with Coleman in real fantasy as well. But it is undeniable that uh, Treadwell is a safer pick, especially considering the recent history of stars coming out of Baylor hasn't been very good. From a defender like Phil Taylor to a quarterback in Robert Griffin to wide receivers Josh Gordon and Terrence Williams, who's probably the best of the bunch, but he's not a star by any means in Dallas, even though he has one on his helmet. Uh, of course, you know, it's sometimes dangerous to judge a player by his predecessors. Remember, there was a time when all Jeff Tedford quarterbacks were garbage until Aaron Rodgers came along. But, you know, it's got to be a little bit of a red flag, don't you think, Josh? Well, I do get sick of people judging them players by solely from the university they came from. I think that's for more or less, and I'll do respect, Nick, just kind of a weak, weak sauce term, to, a weak sauce way to kind of treat them. I mean, he Corey Coleman is not Terrence Williams. They're very different players. So I, I, I just I can't get behind that. I mean, that's like saying all Alabama running backs suck because Trent Richardson is there. But, you know, I just, I, I just can't get behind that. Just – that's like saying, you know, I mean, do we do that with Jerry Rice came from Grand Valley State, so any wide receiver that's draft-worthy should potentially be a Hall of Fame wide receiver, right? No, that's not the case. And granted, that was many, many years ago and different schemes have changed place down there, but I just, I just, I think it's a little bit ridiculous. I mean, yes, we have history and we try to project things. In some t- cases, that is the case, but I think it's the player that you should judge first 
and then blame it on the scheme when they bust if you really want to. But uh, I just, I think Corey Coleman is a gamer. He's he's just the ultimate quick twitch athlete. Excuse me, ultimate quick twitch athletic wide receiver. I know all wide receivers are obviously athletic, but this guy is like I said, the quick twitch variety. I mean, he's going to ignite any offense that he's a part of, even with RG three at the helm. And like Nick said on the AP front, you know, before people want to knight Treadwell Rookie of the Year, I I still think AJP or excuse me, Adrian Peterson is going to be there for one elite one, maybe probably the next two years. And he's still weapon number one. They are going to open it up, but you know, Treadwell's got to also compete with uh with other people in this offense too, besides Adrian Peterson. I'll get to more on that in a second. Now our buddy Mike Kraftick was supposed to be on today. Uh, but believe it or not, he is having lunch with the governor of Pennsylvania. Um, uh, so, yeah, I told I should tell Mike that's probably the worst excuse I've ever heard. But uh, uh, he that's actually what's happening there. So <laughs> good uh, good through him. It's, it's your Mike's job. I won't say what he does, but he's not going to be running for president anytime soon. But uh, good honor good honor for him. But he did want me to pass along some notes on Corey Coleman. So Mike thinks he's by far the most explosive wide receiver in this Draft. He ran the four three four three seven forty at his pro day three months after having sports hernia surgery, and despite not being one hundred percent, he jumped a forty and a half inch vertical and one hundred twenty nine inch broad jump. And he's by far the most explosive wide receiver in the class. By the way, he had seventeen bench press reps. This is just this is this is like three weeks removed from that sports hernia surgery, which were five more than Treadwell athleticism isn't the only thing that Coleman has going for him. Uh, he was one of the most productive college receivers, over 1,300 yards and 20 touchdowns with four different quarterbacks this year out of Baylor. That was pretty impressive. Treadwell does not have that kind of athleticism or college production. Granted, Treadwell was hurt for some of his time during his college years, but Mike just doesn't believe he is the same tier as Coleman, and he thinks Coleman is the most comparable prospect over the last couple of years to Odell Beckham Jr. So big, big things there from Mike. I totally agree with him. I think he is explosive. He's out, like shot out of a cannon explosive. Uh, one, one major thing that sticks with me with Coleman is that DBs never backpedaled against him. He demanded that kind of respect, and I'm sure that wasn't an accident. I believe they were coached to hoof it and not let Coleman get behind him. Now, Cincinnati kind of surprised a lot of people and went, was cornerback in the first round of this draft, and they took William Jackson the third, one of the faster cornerbacks at the combine. Now, for the next you know five or six years, we get to watch Coleman versus Jackson in some awesome battles of Ohio. That's going to be a whole lot of fun, and I don't know if it's going to be a lot of as much fun as Beckham versus uh, Norman two years, two times a year there. But uh, that's certainly something that we're we're going to see a lot of over the next couple of years. And you know, back to Treadwell. Not as Treadwell is not is not only he's a non-sexy player, but he has a world-class athlete in Stephon Diggs opposite him, competing for targets. And again, AP is still there. That's weapon number one for the next couple of years. So that's going to limit Treadwell. And uh, you know, maybe that helps Minnesota pay him less when that contract thing comes up. But I, I think Treadwell is going to be a very nice player. He's just not going to be that elite type of player and Coleman has that potential there just because he, he, he's so sexy and so quick. What are your thoughts there, Nick? Rebuttal. I should say. Uh, 
the only rebuttal I would have is uh, he said it was pretty much a weak argument saying that because they come from X college that they're not going to be good in the NFL. But I think there is something to be said for that sometimes, especially in the more uh, quote-unquote gimmicky offenses, which people consider Baylor, Oregon. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of uh, high-profile NFL uh, wide receivers and running skill position players coming out of Oregon. Uh, you look at Texas Tech and the, the high-powered offenses they had when Mike Leach was the head coach. How many quarterbacks did they have lead the NCAA in passing that never amounted to anything in the NFL? Same with June Jones' time at Hawaii. Um, you know, a lot of times those type of high-powered college offenses just don't provide the, the players with the skills and the knowledge to compete at the next level. So, yeah, and not not saying that's going to be the case with Corey Coleman, but it is a concern. Did you just go island style pronunciation on Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you almost been there a year, but it's spoken into you. Um, but anyway, I I do hear you, but on that same note, I don't think anybody's you know the experts out there are there's. Daniel Jeremiah thinks he thinks Coleman's the best wide receiver in this draft. You know, other other people think that same thing, and nobody's saying, "Oh, he's from Baylor." You know, he can't he can't run an entire route tree. He oh, he's just nothing but a Terrence Williams. I think if anybody is Terrence Williams, potentially, I think it's Laquan Treadwell. To tell you the truth, I think he's a great player. I just don't know if we're going to see him explode production wise. Well, we'll 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 leave it at that. But. Uh, uh, moving forward. Ooh, draft recap, Nick. Let's uh let's kinda get into the first round here. We're gonna touch on a lot of the uh a lot of the first round picks and uh you talk about how that's gonna affect their uh, fantasy value. So at at the top we kind of already mentioned how uh Saint Louis made it a point to surround the uh six four, two hundred and fifteen pound Jared Goff with some uh wide receivers. Uh what what are your thoughts now? Obviously, this is not a, not a surprise that the Rams took off number one. But what are your thoughts? There's a lot of pieces to work with. Nothing definite quite yet about who's gonna who's gonna rise to the top there. What are your thoughts on the the fantasy or dynasty value? I should say of golf. Well, I think, you know, especially in deeper dynasty leagues, the 12-team leagues, the 14-team leagues, uh, starting quarterbacks are at a premium. So even though I'm not a big Jared Goff guy, I definitely think he has value probably towards the end of the first round if you really need a quarterback because he's not going to be there at the end of the second round. Um, you know, personally, I definitely would go Carson Wentz over Jared Goff every single time. And I have to wonder that if the Rams were still in St. Louis and not in Los Angeles, where, you know, close to where Jared Goff played at University of California, if they wouldn't have gone with Carson Wentz over Goff. But the California connection, uh, you know, being in L.A. at the PR pub that they would get from drafting the California guy, I think that was maybe the biggest reason they went with Goff. Would you agree with that? I guess not totally because and and maybe maybe you are in the aspect is but I think whoever took Wentz should sit him one year and I know that's weird because he was a second round pick but and Philly's our, our second overall pick but Philly is kind of saying that same type of thing if they could work out the Sam Bradford stuff Wentz only had 23 starts in college missed a lot of last season golf started three straight years so he certainly has a lot more experience. Granted, it's a different system. It's not, you know, pro style. But 
I and and I do think Wentz is more more of a Doug Peterson type of quarterback than Goff is. So I I, I just don't know if that was the case. I, and and you know there's a lot to be said about the Goff being the California kid and not wanting to start their franchise with Case Keenum at quarterback. Blah blah blah. But uh, I, long story short, I, I would feel safe taking Goff there at the end of the end of the first early second there. So uh, we've already kind of went there, but Wentz. Sounds like if they can get the Bradford thing figured out there for one year, Nick Wentz is Wentz is going to sit down for the first year. I, I don't believe that. I think he'll make an appearance probably after week eight or ten. But what do you think? Yeah, as soon as they're eliminated from realistic playoff contention, I think Carson Wentz has to be the the player there at quarterback. Uh, you know, if Sam Bradford leads him to a ten and six season, then he probably keeps the job. But uh, you know, it's impossible to say whether or not that's going to happen. But with Carson Wentz, you know, scouting is such an unscientific thing. You know, if it was a scientific theory, teams wouldn't have first-round busts. So a lot of times you just have to go with feeling. And when when I watch Carson Wentz, to me he just looks like he has that hit factor. Like he, he looks like an NFL quarterback back there, whereas a lot of other college quarterbacks don't have it. Whatever it is, it, it looks like Carson Wentz has it from my perspective anyway. Oh, I love that no, lo- no love lost there for the Eagles. You know, one, they get eliminated from playoff contention. Did you hear that, Mark Wilson? But anyway. Um, yeah, I, I I think he's got a bright future, man. The Philly fans sure railed him at the airport, but uh, and it wasn't this wasn't my idea. And I wish I listened to so much sports talk radio that, I, but I wish I could remember this. But if you look at the situation, went situation like Bridgewater and Bortles. They both said, "Oh, they're going to sit for one year." What that does is effectively it takes the pressure off Went So. If Philly's saying he's going to sit one year and they have, you know, they end up starting him week nine, week ten, there's it is Philadelphia, but there is certainly less pressure on him because, oh, you know, we didn't expect to use him this year. So if he sucks for five or six games, you know, don't don't tar and feather him. He's still going to be good. He's still going to have experience, you know, enough experience to be dangerous next year there. So I think that's kind of what they're doing there. And, and I will not, I'd be totally surprised if we don't see Wentz start at least three or four games. Uh, when Philadelphia, of course, gets eliminated from playoffs contention. Uh, big surprise at number three with Joey Bosa. Any thoughts there, Nick? Um, yeah, it pretty much blew up every single mock draft I read because I don't know if I read one that had Joey Bosa going uh, to the Chargers. And not that he didn't deserve to go that high. He's a very, very talented player. It's just the fit. You know, most people saw him as a 4-3 defensive end. He'll likely be playing as a 3-4 outside linebacker. So definitely uh, threw a wrench in everybody's mock draft. Yeah, and I think, I think, you know, the big discussion leading up to the draft is, oh, my gosh, is Bosa going to fall out of the top ten? And then, of course, he's number three, especially with Elliott and Ramsey. And I think potentially everybody thought Miles Jack was going to go in that in that cluster there, too. Um, I think it's a decent fit. I'm still surprised. They, and obviously the tonsil gas mask situation. Hey, we got our five. We got our five gas mask matches. Um, that's uh, – that, uh, have probably affected their decision somewhat, and they didn't really do a whole lot to do to upgrade their offensive line during this draft, which surprised surprised me quite a bit. 
Um, but they did sign one of my favorite offensive linemen in the draft, Tyler Johnston, after, John Stone, excuse me, after the draft. So I, I like that pick, and I think they'll be happy with him. But uh, I think Bosa's a decent fit there. They need they need some grit along that around that line. They also grabbed a few linebackers later on in the draft. So I think their defense stands to be certainly better, even though people maybe thought Ramsey or Tunsil was a better fit for what they needed. So. Um, number four, ooh, your, your favorite, Zeke Elliott to the Cowboys, Nick. Any any thoughts there? I mean, they have a couple veteran running backs there, but you got to think Elliott's going to be RB1, 1,300, 1,500 yards. Everybody's already passed on that in court. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a perfect fit for, uh, you know, anybody who has the number one overall pick in Dynasty drafts did cartwheels when uh, the Cowboys drafted Ezekiel Elliott. The chance to play behind that offensive line. Uh, you mentioned they have a couple of veterans, but Alfred Morris is pretty much used up in Washington. And DeMarco Murray, or not DeMarco Murray, but Darren McFadden, uh, it, it was a nice story, him being able to stay healthy last year, but that, it's that's pretty rare uh, event for his career. So, yeah, I think Ezekiel Elliott, definitely an RB1 in fantasy purposes and on the Cowboys' depth chart. Uh, great fit. Yeah, lo- love the pick as far as uh, trying to win in the short term. Yeah, and it, it's a pick that Dallas is – everybody seemed like Dallas was just going to go for it with this pick, and then, of course, they drafted – the linebacker in the next round who's not going to play at all this year. Maybe some people think he will, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great fit. You know, and everybody keeps pounding that, that offensive line, but that offensive line really wasn't the same, and granted it was it was run DMC and not Murray, but since Bill Callahan left, that, that offense I think has lost a little bit of their edge. But obviously, Elliott is a guy that could make an average offensive line look really good because he hits that hole so well. So the potential is there, and it, it almost seems too good to be true if you have that first overall pick in a rookie draft. Uh, and I'm not trying to jinx you, but uh, it, it's uh, it's if you're if you're questioning it, you need to you need to slap yourself and just take Ezekiel out because it's 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 a given if he's healthy, 13 to 1500 yards, probably 10 touchdowns there. Hopefully, hoping Romo can uh, stay healthy. Otherwise, Zeke's going to see nine nine to 13 players in the box because we know they don't have much else besides that. And nobody wants to see that Prescott take the field, even though I like his potential. Nobody wants to see him take the field in 2016. Um, Just one more uh, thought on Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know, you said if you're questioning taking him at the top of the draft, you still have to do it. And that even mean even, you know, con- considering if you have the number one overall pick, you're probably not a contending team, but you still need to take him for the fact that even if you would rather have a, add a young wide receiver, you can trade him, flip him for a young wide receiver, and pick up future draft picks, probably in first or and second at the very least. Um, you know, the fantasy community is so high on Ezekiel Elliott, you're going to get value for him in a trade, even if you don't want to use him this year. Sure. Do, and do you think – would you be more inclined to trade the pick or trade the player a couple a couple of weeks down the road here or this this summer? What do you think? Do you think you get a better return trade than the pick or the player? Um, I think you get about equal return because I mean nobody 
most people who are looking to trade up to that number one overall pick, they're looking at Ezekiel Elliott. They're not looking at one of the wide receivers. So I, I think you're going to get about equal value as far as if you trade him now or at some other point uh, before the season starts. Obviously, once after week one, everything changes. But for you know, right now, I think it's about equal. Yeah, and you know, if Elliott has 40 rushing yards after three weeks in the NFL, you're not going to you're not going to get. Uh, you know, a first-round pick and a player for him. So th- this is strike while everybody is uh, in uh, rookie draft euphoria right now, and you probably get the best uh, the best return for him there. So I'm trying to get in a 2017 first back in DFW 48 if anybody's listening. I have two first-round picks this year, so uh, hit me up. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. Now, some people still have him listed at safety, Initial reports came out that Jacksonville plans to use him at cornerback, which is huge for his IDP value, and probably some nickel. And I, I think he could potentially have a year like Marcus Peters did last year in Kansas City. But the best I think we can hope for, and this is and this is saying a lot, but it, hopefully he can morph into somewhat of a Charles Woodson-style player. I just worry about his IDP value if he does get harnessed to that cornerback position. Like I said, he could have a good year, one, but I just don't know how how many years he's going to stay at corner and how effective he's going to be for the long to- long term. Don't you think there, Nick? Uh, I definitely agree, and I do think that corner is the best fit for him in the NFL. You know, IDP concerns aside, cornerback is where he sits, projects best in the NFL in my mind. Uh, but drafting a guy five overall at cornerback who only had three interceptions, I believe, in his entire time at Florida State, I, it, that's tough for me. I know athletically he's elite. He's probably going to be a you know, shutdown type of corner, but if you can't force turnovers at the NFL level, I think that really limits your value as far as uh, the way you're going to be perceived. Mm-hmm. Well, and he does only have one year at corner, and he's played some safety, so you would hope that he maybe had more interceptions playing playing safety. But And I agree, too. IDP, you know, drooling aside, if he can play corner, he's, he should play corner. I mean, as much as I don't want to see that happen, he should play corner because he's. I think he's going to give more value as as a person that can shut down one side of the field there. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that situation and, and just pray he turns to be a, a Charles Woodson type of player. You know, they've already said that they want to move Jonathan Cyprian up to uh, outside linebacker, essentially in in the box, maybe that type of hybrid role. So. You wonder where that leaves Miles Jack, you know, year one. Maybe he's high, behind Paul Pazlusny, or maybe he plays maybe he plays kind of that hybrid role in safety there, too, there. So, I just, I mean, it's been said many, many times, but I still can't believe that one team was able to get Ramsey and Jack, two of the, two of the top defenders in this draft, as far as I'm concerned. And they're, and they're certainly, uh, you know, off-the-ball guys. They're not, uh, you know, legit front seven people, but that's two, two of the best athletes probably in this draft. So, uh, guest mask mentioned number seven, Tunsil forced Baltimore's hand into taking Ronnie Stanley there at the sixth overall pick. There's also like 12 running backs in camp for, for Baltimore right now. So, and I don't blame them for protecting, uh, Joe Flacco with his pick and any thoughts there. It seems like it's not, it's an offensive tack on the first round. Of course, it's not a sexy pick, but any thoughts there, Nick? 
Um, yeah, like you said, uh, Joe Flacco's got a new BFF there with Ronnie Staley, um, but it's it's not a sexy pick. It definitely helps. Well, it helped the Baltimore running backs before they went and drafted another running back. So, you know, at least the owners of Justin Forsett and company had uh, a day or two of uh, of happy feelings about that pick. Yeah. So, DeForest Buckner went number seven to the 49ers. Surprise, surprise, an Oregon Duck drafted by Chip Kelly. But uh, big specimen, 6'7", 281. Going to play that 3-4-D end. I don't love the IDP production that is potential. I think he's a great, going to be a great NFL player. I just don't know what kind of stats we're going to see out of Mr. Buckner there. What do you think, Nick? Um, I just have a quick question for you. If you, if you had to pick between the two, which 3-4 defensive end in San Francisco out of Oregon would you prefer, uh, DeForest Buckner or Eric Armstead, the first-round pick from last year? Oh, Buckner all the way. I think Buckner is the the way the way more complete player, even though Armstead has a has a year under his belt. Uh so moving forward, uh Jack Conklin, Tennessee traded up to get him a little bit of a surprise, but again, gas mask. Um Leonard Floyd, Chicago. And I get excited <laughs> when I say that pick. Uh because if you didn't if you missed it we had a couple snap judgment uh, argument uh, articles out during you know after the posted after the first couple of nights of the draft and i said in the round 1 one if leonard floyd surpasses 7 sacks even if he gets 7 sacks that i will snort sriracha on air during the dynasty Pulse podcast cuz i just don't believe in this guy as that type of player, I think he'll be a decent NFL player. He's just not the pass rusher everybody believes he'd be. Any, any thoughts there? Um, I think you're insane for even <laughs> even suggesting the fact that you might snort sriracha. Uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love it on my food, but I would not want that in my nose. Um, but it just goes to show you the premium uh, that teams are placing on pass rushers these days. So, you know, any of these edge rushers, they are going to get overdrafted anymore because it's so important to be able to get to the quarterback. Yeah, and and – he certainly presents a better athlete without the outside linebacker position than Lamar Houston, who's been playing out of position there for Chicago. But I just don't see it. And that's, I guess, the point of me saying the Sriracha thing is just that's how confident I am that he's not going to get that number. Uh, big surprise here, Eli Apple going to the Giants. Probably not a big IDP slab there. And any thoughts there, Nick? Well, just in a – a lot of people had the Giants taking an offensive lineman there in round one, uh, gas mask. So, you know, that's just another after effect, I think, of uh, the happenings of day one in the draft. Yeah, and the big surprise there was it was a corner. Not only was it, it was a corner, it was the first corner off the board. I like Apple. I think he's a top five corner in this draft, but I don't know if he's the best. So another corner after that, Vernon Hargreaves. Um, I think he's a guy that could potentially get picked on as a rookie, and he's got maybe a decent uh, IDP value in in the short term. Would you agree with that, Nick? I think definitely, especially in cornerback required leagues. You, you got to look for rookie cornerbacks that be, just because, like you said, they're going to get picked on. They're going to get a lot of work. That means more tackles than uh, a lot of veteran quarterbacks are going to see. So definitely an IDP uh, cornerback required leaks. I, I would look at him. 
And what I like about Hargreaves and quarterback required leagues as well is the fact that he does support the run. He he he's not you know he's fearless in the fact that he'll go up there and throw his body at players to help to help support the run. So that's going to help him out there. I think uh, Sheldon Rankins uh, definitely a need there for the Saints. CBS Sports is calling him Baby Aaron Donald. Uh, guy that just creates havoc I, I do not disagree with him being the first uh first dt off the board um a guy that's going to help solidify their defense and probably put a decent uh decent stats maybe not year one but certainly in the next couple of years at uh defensive tackle Are there any thoughts there Nick? um i agree with everything you said and also uh owners of stefan anthony have to be excited about the saints getting a talented body up there on the front four to uh to help free him up a little bit now, my last R-Lads depth chart showed Anthony moving to the outside, at least for the short term with Laranitis there in the middle. So we'll see how that situation works out. Uh, uh, but now we're at Laramie Tunsil. Any thoughts there, Nick? Um, I'm just glad that his slide ended at 13 and he didn't uh, end up like uh, Miles Jack or some of those other guys that fell to the second round because he definitely deserved to be a top-ten pick. He is that talented of a player. So good that the Dolphins, you know, they've had offensive line issues for a long time. They added a quality player there, and hopefully he can keep his nose clean and have a good career there in the <laughs> NFL. Uh, and gas mask. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great great thing for them, I think that they were able to do it if they put them at left tackle like they should. Uh that it should be good there. So uh I got a little overzealous and said Carl Joseph was the top rookie D B after my Oakland Raiders took him there at fourteen. Then I backtracked there when Keanu Neal went three picks later. But uh what what do you think, Nick? I, I think in the long term this is this is the player that Oakland needed and I think his IDP production is going to be awesome because he's just a just a just a straight up hitman. What do you think? I agree with you. Yeah, uh, you know, it, I thought it was a little bit high at 14 overall, but it just shows the the premium. You know, pass rushers are premium. Also, uh, safeties that can both cover and tackle well, they're also very valued right now. So, uh, you know, in hind- yeah, at the time I thought 14 was a little high, but the more I look back on the draft, and especially like you mentioned with Keanu Neal going three picks later, uh, I don't think it was too much of a reach. No, and I, I've said it many times, Oakland. As much as people want to knight us as a division winner and Super Bowl contenders, I don't think they make the playoffs this year. So if if Joseph doesn't have to be, you know, see have a to see a snap majority first first year, I, I'm totally fine with that. And you know, we some people say too early, but when they hit rookie camp, it doesn't matter where you're, where you're drafted. Just play your butt off, and and you'll make and you'll you'll get you you'll get your reps. So uh, I'm totally happy with the pick. He's a player I wanted for the Raiders, and uh, I think they're going to be very happy. And everybody everybody that's more knowledgeable than me, everybody that I look up to, says Bob Sanders when when they talk about him. So that's got to get you excited because I mean, what a guy, what a great run support safety and, and a guy that just, just – is, is obviously a safety you want your guys to be uh, be compared to. So I, I love that uh, love that comparison there. Um, Corey Coleman, we've been there our, a handful of times today already. Nick, uh, I, I, I don't know what else what else more we can say. Definitely the the, the top weapon in this offense, right? 
Oh, definitely. Yep, wide receiver one from day one. So, like you said, we've uh, touched on him a lot so far, so probably move on to Taylor Decker, right? Yeah, uh, just interesting note here. CBS Sports did not like the pick that graded it as C. I don't agree with grading draft picks, by the way. <laughs> I mean, how can you grade it right afterwards? They definitely could have gone with another position and definitely another receiver. So that was their thoughts there, but I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun for Cleveland. Granted, Cleveland never has never gone the safe route. <laughs> it doesn't seem like anyway. Uh, and they go for the big splash, a la Johnny Manziel. I wonder if Johnny Manziel's ever tried that gas mask. But uh, um, I think uh, <laughs> I think I think the Cleveland's going to be just fine. Yeah, Taylor Decker. Does it seem weird to think that there's potentially an offensive lineman that's just too tall? Every time I watch film on him, I just think God, he's tall, and it just doesn't seem to move well. So I, I don't I don't love the pick there for the Lions. What do you think? Well, I, I think the fact that he's probably going to be slotted into right tackle, that would be my guess. That That's going to help him out a lot. And, uh, you know, the Lions now have three first-round picks on that offensive line with uh, Riley Reese and Lakin Tomlinson and Taylor Decker. And their other two star, projected starters, uh, Travis Swanson and Larry Worf. Warford are uh, third-round picks, so you know they a lot of uh, a lot of talent on that Detroit offensive line. Hopefully, that can help them out uh, since now they're uh, missing their biggest offensive weapon now with Calvin Johnson retiring. Yeah, well, end of what's you know the big story of the off the postseason and off season is Vaughn Miller crushing right tackles. I, I don't like that position there for Decker at all. I think you need to need to be quicker footed to play that position, cut down those edge guys. So uh Keanu Neal, most people most experts didn't like the pick. Obviously we're coming at it from a different angle, IDP style. I believe, you know, whether you want to say he's another Cam Chancellor or whatnot, or that's what Dan Quinn's trying to do. I think if they kind of work him into this hybrid role and I like the fact that Atlanta backed up to him and their with their linebacking picks of uh Devondre Campbell and Deion Jones. They have a lot of athletes, uh, not in the front four, but you know, in the in the second and third level now. So if, if I think Neil's going to be an in the box type of player, and uh, they they're going to get some more athletic people along in that secondary. I, th- I think it's a good pick. I think it maybe is a little high, but I, I think it's a good pick, and I think it certainly was a need. And I like the IDP value coming out of it. What do you think there, Nick? Uh, I think I, it was definitely a need, like you said. And, you know, especially when you look at the division they play in with the Saints having a high-powered passing attack, uh, the Buccaneers with Vincent Jackson, Mike Evans, and uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, it's it's a, uh, Carolina with Cam Newton, the NFL MVP at quarterback. It's a division where you have to be able to uh, defend against the pass. So definitely going secondary is not something I would question there with Atlanta. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot to say. Ryan Kelly, maybe maybe he was too early there, center for Alabama going to Indianapolis. Uh, but he's a guy that's going to be able to control the pocket, and uh, you need to protect Andrew Luck. I, I don't know if you have any other words there, Nick. Um, just that I think if he had slid to Washington, that I think the Redskins would have drafted him because they did have a need there on the offensive line. So the Colts taking him uh, definitely impacted the rest of the second half of the first round, in my mind. Uh, good point there. But, you know, Kelly's kind of a blah offensive name for one of the hogs. I mean, Corey Lichtensteiger? Now, that is an offensive line name, but come on. Uh <laughs> 
uh, Shaq Lawson to, uh, no surprise, a Clemson player going to Rex Ryan. And uh, Buffalo, hopefully going to replace uh, Mario Williams in this defense. What do you think? Um, I think he can't be a worse fit for this defense than Mario Williams was, right? I mean, Williams just was not the same player at all. So getting basically anybody else, especially replacing Williams with a first-round pick like Shaq Lawson, that's definitely a win for Buffalo. Yep, and he's the power rusher that this line needs. You know, there's there's guys that eat up space and guys that, uh, you know, can can do the speed rush thing, but this is this is a guy that's going to present a lot of power. I think he's going to be able to go toe to toe with defensive, or excuse me, offensive left tackles. You know, in, in very in the very not so distant future, I think it's going to take him a few, a, maybe half of the season to adjust. But I think he's potentially a, a you know an annual ten sack type of player. I think he could he he can be that type of guy, and that's what us IDP guys want. You know. I think Olivier Vernon is is a good comparison to him in terms of what Lawson can do at the next level. Uh, maybe a little bit better than that guy. Darren Lee uh, to Ohio State to the Jets. Now I haven't heard everybody just thought about this, but uh, it seems like it seems like a decent spot. But a lot of people thought it was too early. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, a decent spot. Uh, you know, you look at Dar- David Harris there. Um, he's not getting any younger. Uh, but he is still there. So Darren Lee's IDP uh, value in year one might be a little bit limited there, but I, I, I don't think it was a bad pick. Maybe a little bit of a reach, like you said, but I, I don't think it's a huge reach. Okay, so we've already kind of been there with all these wide receivers. Any any thoughts on Fuller, Docks, and Treadwell picks here? Not to totally dismiss um, them, though. We just did a top ten wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. Just that I was surprised that Will Fuller went ahead of those guys. That was that was my only thoughts there. And I don't disagree with it. I think I think Doxon and DeAndre are the type of player, the same type of player. So I, I applaud Houston for trying to get a little bit different of a variety of wide receivers and taking taking the speed guy. I think Corey Coleman would have been insane in this offense, no matter who their quarterback was. But uh, I think Fuller presents a decent, a decent uh, field stretcher uh, aspect to this to this team. Uh, William Jackson, twenty four, a little bit of a surprise there. And I know it almost seems like the Bengals did this just to piss off Cincinnati, but or excuse me, to piss off Pittsburgh, who's picking after them. What do you think? Well, you might be on to something there since Pittsburgh did go with a cornerback there. And, you know, the Bengals now have uh, three first-round picks at uh, corner, if I'm not mistaken, with Dury Kirkpatrick, Darquise Denard, and uh, William Jackson the third. Uh, you know, maybe it was a little bit surprising, especially considering that they did re-sign Adam Jones. So, But, you know, they have a lot, a lot of depth there at cornerback. And I guess maybe it takes four guys to cover uh, Antonio Brown when you play the Steelers, right? <laughs> Uh, and Corey Coleman, yeah, and uh, one more year of Steve Smith there. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, people wanted them to go wide receiver, but the big names are gone. And, uh, hey, they got Tyler Boyd in round two, so you can't really can't really complain there. Um, obviously, any of these wide receivers that went in the first would have looked really nice next to uh, A.J. Green. But uh, uh, Artie Burns, I think a little bit of a surprise there for a lot of people, probably naming these Steeler fans, as I know Mike Kraffick wasn't a – big fan but he he's a tough hard-nosed corner and i 
he just kind of seems like a stealer to me or, or a Raider. I don't mean to compare our two franchises, but just a, a guy that the steel, the steel curtain is going to going to be very happy with uh, moving forward. A guy that can stick around there reminds me a lot of uh, Ike Taylor and uh, the fact that he'll, he'll be able to stick around Pittsburgh and become a, become a guy that they like just because he's a, he's a quality consistent player there. What do you think? Um, yeah, it's, it might have been a little bit of a reach, but they definitely had a need there in Pittsburgh. You look at the Our Lads depth charts, and uh, they have William Gay, who's a good player, but he's starting to get kind of older, and Ross Cockrell is their two starting corners. So it was definitely a need in, again, a division with guys like A.J. Green. You know, you don't have to cover Antonio Brown because you're on the Steelers, but you still have to contend with Corey Coleman, A.J. Green. A lot of a lot of talented uh, passing attacks there in the AFC North. So it, it filled a need. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And William Gay, just in case you weren't weren't uh, were judging him or anybody was wondering, he is the best dancer in the NFL. Um, Matt Paxton Lynch, Broncos traded up to get him. I think this is the best case scenario. Obviously, Denver just won the Super Bowl. They want to control the clock. Paxton Lynch is a is dynamite in the slant game, the short intermediate passing game, and he can throw the deep ball as well. Denver is going to tar and feather Mark Sanchez by week six. You're going to see Paxton Lynch this year. I, I have no doubt about it. And I think Denver is going to be just fine if they can, you know, if they can keep him in the moment, you know, not, not the, the, and let, let him know that the moment is not bigger than him. And he's six, seven. So that's pretty big. But uh, I think, uh, I think it's a great landing spot, especially considering the, the receivers there. What do you think, Nick? Um, yeah, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Paxton Lynch, you know, going into the draft. I thought he was definitely the number three quarterback, but I didn't know if he was really worthy of the first-round pick. But obviously Denver, with Mark Sanchez as their starter, had a need there. And uh, like we mentioned last week, having that extra fifth-year option uh, on a first-round pick as opposed to a second-round pick definitely, I think, helps these young quarterbacks get taken at the end of the first round as opposed to the second. Yes, and it helps their team <laughs> pay them less, definitely. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a great spot. And you know, Elway's gonna, gonna watch and see what works and what doesn't for Lynch, and that's gonna go into their draft strategy next year. So it, it's a great, it's a great landing spot. And, I, and I'm a Raiders fan, so that's how much I believe it's a great landing spot. Um, Kenny Clark, a little bit of a surprise that he was the second DT off of the board. Um, I think it's a decent decent pick. Some other people might disagree. I'm not sure of the IDP worthiness, but uh, he's a guy that creates havoc up the middle, can play can play the zero and the one, and I think uh, think be a good player there to replace B.J. Raji. What do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, they had a need after B.J. Raji's gone. Uh, Latroy Gee and Mike Daniels and Josh Boyd are listed as their starting defensive linemen right now, and in, in Again, you look at the division. They have to face guys like Adrian Peterson. So you definitely want to have guys up front that can stop, at least slow down a guy like AP. So uh, it, may, it may have been a little bit of a reach, but it filled a need, so I'm okay with it. Okay. So we're running short on time here. I just want to mention uh, San Francisco trading up to get Josh Garnett. I think he's, he's the perfect guard for that uh, Chip Kelly run scheme. 
Can DJ a little bit of a surprise there going to Arizona, but I think they can keep his head screwed on straight, and he's a guy that can give them some versatility. Have no idea why Carolina drafted a defensive tackle in the first round with KK Short and Star Lafetalu, but uh, whatever. And Jermaine Fetty, Texas A&M. I don't think he's the right kind of athlete for that offense. Any any thoughts on those guys? Um, just that Kimbiche uh, could be a real steal for the Arizona Cardinals if they're able to uh, get his head on straight. You know, we all know about the off the field issues, but definitely a talented football player on the field. Okay, second round. Uh, I like Ogba, even though it's Cleveland. Dodd stands to see a lot of snaps early on there in Tennessee. Jalen Smith, we'll see what two years brings. Hunter Henry, the offensive uh, offensive weapon going to offense that uses the tight end quite a bit. Any any thoughts there? Definitely your your top rookie tight end. Uh, I try to avoid rookie tight ends like it's a plague. <laughs> I, you know, I buy low on them after they're in year one or year two. But, you know, as far as round two in general, I'll, I'll say Dallas taking Jalen Smith at number 34 really surprised me, only because they're going running back in round one. I really thought that uh, signaled a win-now type of attitude for the Cowboys. Apparently uh, they're willing to be patient, though, with Jalen Smith, and that's a move that definitely could pay off for him in the long run. And then Miles Jack, two picks later, Jacksonville. You know, if these two guys stay healthy, they could be real second-round steals. If they were both 100%, they would have easily been top ten picks. Um, you know, Hunter Henry in San Diego, I don't know. In four years, he's probably going to be a free agent, and Antonio Gates will still be there playing at 50 years old. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just a frustrated with areas green owner paranoid San Diego tight ends. Uh, really in the second round, though, Sterling Shepard to the Giants at 40, Reggie Ragland in IDP leagues to Buffalo at 41. I think these are the biggest, uh, you know, in in IDP leagues anyway. Those are the two biggest guys you want to look at. And Hackenberg really was a second-round pick to the New York Jets. Yeah, if I was Geno Smith, I would be really excited about that pick because now I know my competition is not very good. Okay. Yeah, I think the bigger the bigger surprise is not only did Dallas go Jalen Smith, and it it was that was he went before Jack, and I mean I think that's the bigger surprise that Smith went before Jack than Jack not going in the first. Um, Dallas taking Smith with Jack and Raglan on the board that was that was really confusing to me. I think Chris Jones to uh, to Kansas City could be could be a good IDP uh, play considering what we saw out of some of their their DTs last year. I love Camille Correa to Baltimore. He can do exactly what Elvis Dumerville did uh, for this team, and he's going to be a very, very solid player. I like the Raiders pick in Jihad Ward, even though he's definitely a project. Um, Derek Henry, like I said, he's, he's going to be groomed to be the next DeMarco Murray. Um IDP aside, Jaron Reed to Seattle is straight up filthy, nasty. I love it. Uh, Kristen Hackford, come on, Jets. What are you doing? Deion Jones to uh, to Atlanta is going to be a lot of fun. He's the speed backer there now. Um, and then uh, speaking of hybrid players, your Washington Redskins got Sua Cravens. What's the plan there, Nick? Tell me. He's I know he's going to wear number 36, which is an homage to Sean Taylor's year one. Does that mean safety in the linebackers wear number 36? What do you think? 
Well, I think he's going to be that Deion Buchanan type of hybrid safety linebacker. And you, you mentioned a guy like Jeremy Cash earlier, uh, and I think, you know, Cravens going in the second round and Cash going undrafted just shows the transition the NFL is into being more of a passing league. Jeremy Cash was more of a traditional in-the-box, strong safety. You know, 10 years ago, he would have been a third-round pick at the very latest, I think. Uh, but this year, stopping the third, nowadays in the NFL, stopping the run is not as important as stopping the fast, teams are lining up in the three-wide uh, uh, formation pretty much you know, 60 70% of the time, so you're going to have your nickel and dime defense on the field that often. So that, that hybrid linebacker safety that can pr- pr- protect against the pass and shut down the occasional draw play is more valuable today than a strict in-the-box strong safety. Yeah, so take that, IDP nerds, because <laughs> that, that doesn't help us. But uh, uh, Tyler Boyd, love that play. Um, Sean Davis to uh, Pittsburgh, listed as a cornerback. I believe he's going to be their free safety as early as week one of 2016. And free safeties aren't as, aren't as IDP-worthy as strong safeties, but I think it's going to be a very nice play there. Roberto Guile, round two. Um uh, Score a lot of points as a rookie there for uh, the for uh, Tampa. Excuse me. Uh, moving on to round three, I love Carl Nassip again. It is Cleveland, but I think they they're getting a nice nucleus on defense there. Ah, I think Jacksonville and Baltimore probably had two of my favorite drafts. Uh, Yannick Aguiku, I think is how you say that. They're outside linebacker. Uh, gonna gonna replace uh, Scooter there, I think, for Jacksonville. Bronson Kafusi gonna be an eventual defensive starter there for Baltimore out of, out of uh, BYU. Six six two eighty, just crusher. I love it. Darian Thompson lining up next to Landon Collins at safety for the Giants is gonna be filthy fresh. I love it. Uh, Jonathan Buller, defensive end, defensive tackle out of Florida going to Chicago. He's going to create a lot of havoc, even though it's going to be in the 3-4. I believe they'll move him around to make him effective. I kind of like Keon Drake as much as I didn't like him pre-draft. I kind of like Keon Drake going to Miami because you know they wanted they want versatility, and I think he could certainly be a nice third-down option there for them. Uh, Shalik Calhoun going to Oakland. I, I saw the pick and was a little confused because I'm like, isn't he just another Alden Smith? But if we have another younger Alden Smith, and then guess, I'll guess what Alden Smith will come back eventually, right? We have two Alden Smiths, and one of them gets to play behind Khalil Mack. I guess I can deal with that. Uh, so uh, I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. And we talked a little bit earlier about uh, Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, Oh my God! Atlanta Falcons finally drafted a tight end. Went to uh, the Falcons in the third. Interestingly enough, uh, Roto World's Evan Silva, who is another guy that I very much respect, thinks Hooper will have a better rookie season than Hunter Henry, who's obviously behind Antonio Gates, and uh, he thinks he might actually have a fantasy-worthy, productive rookie season there out of Atlanta. And and I I agree with him. That's that's a very good. Uh, uh, very good point because I heard him on the Fantasy Feast Ross Tucker podcast there. Uh, CJ Pro sites, and we'll get into the more of the Seattle running back cluster. But uh, CJ Pro sites um, going to Seattle. I I don't think it's an immediate shablam as everybody else is getting all excited about, but uh, we'll see how that situation works out. I still believe a little bit in Thomas Rawls. Cody Kessler. 
Hugh Jackson says, trust me, I say vomit in my socks. I do not like this pick. I think by far it is the worst pick of the draft considering round, position, availability, blah, blah, blah. Worst pick of the draft. Do not like Cody Kessler. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm surprised that Cody Kessler was uh, taking that high. But a uh, few guys you mentioned, uh, Austin Hooper there in Atlanta, they've been really looking for a tight end since Tony Gonzalez retired. I think he might fill that role. I don't know. It's really tough to project a tight end performing as a rookie, but he definitely does have the best chance of uh, probably any of these rookie tight ends of having a big impact in year one. Uh, in Houston, you got Braxton Miller is probably going to be the slot receiver there. He could uh, have some opportunities with Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins attracting attention on the outside. Uh, in Miami, Leontay Carew is a wide receiver that a lot of guys were high on before the draft, but it seems that he's kind of buried on the depth chart there. But if I were a Kenny Stills owner, I would definitely be worried about uh, him cutting into Stills' uh, snap count anyway. And uh, like you said, C.J. Prosite uh, in Seattle can definitely threaten Thomas Rawls' role. We have yet to see how that pans out. Seems like there's a lot of running backs that were drafted that really got drafted into situations that were already looking like possible committees, and now those committees just got even more clouded. And I will say this about Leontay Carew is he fell out of my top ten post-draft, but Miami uses that three wide receiver set, much like every NFL team nowadays, a whole lot, and that pushes Landry into the slot. So if he's, if he's you know, Carew could be the motion man, uh, with you know uh, Devonte Parker playing playing the X on the other side, so but I think that's a great nucleus. And yeah, I mean if you're still holding on to Kenny Stills for some weird reason, or your league is really deep, be worried. Uh, Oakland trades up to get Connor Cook in the fourth. I understand it. I don't love it. I understand it. I just don't know how you're going to create Connor Cook to be a trading chip. If he never steps on the field, I don't want to see Connor Cook on the field because that means Derek, uh, Derek Carr is hurt. So hopefully he tears he tears some ass in the preseason because that's really all all I really want him to see out of him. Absolutely love Charles Tapper going to Dallas. He's going to get a chance to play, even though they use a defensive rotation. He's going to get a chance to play and make a difference with everybody else being suspended everywhere for Dallas. Um, uh, Tavon Young, probably a better football player than IDP worthiness there going to Baltimore. Again, with the Jacksonville have an awesome draft. Sheldon Day will create havoc in the middle of that defense. 6'1", 293. Can play all three defensive tackle positions. Love that pick there. Some people are very high on Josh Perry now. I I still need to see it. I think they want to play him inside. He's a big 6'4", 255 pound up Outside linebacker, they think they can move inside. I just don't see it. Chris Moore, I don't know what type of wide receiver we're going to see be successful uh, there for Baltimore because they have a big cluster there too. Uh, B.J. Goodson, a little bit of an underrated pick going to the Giants. Potentially could get a, get himself a get a spot there. Love Miles Kilbrew going to the Lions, mainly for IDP worthiness. I think that's great. We already touched on Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, Tyler Higby could potentially be a nice chip there for uh, Jared Goff moving forward there in uh, in the ramp in for the Rams. I already mentioned 
Farrell Cooper. Loved Yvonne Campbell going to Atlanta. I think he's going to see some, some nice action there. Um, Chicago drafted three free safeties. We'll see which one becomes the nickelback. Uh, but uh, I think Deion Bush, and, and then they countered that, that drafting three safeties with cutting Antrell roll. So I think we're going to see all these guys on the field. I think Deion Bush tends to have the better the best IDP stats out there. I already mentioned Demarcus Robinson there. So uh, any thoughts there, Nick? Oh, and then Kenneth Dixon going to uh, a crowded Baltimore backfield, which some people still have him rated high. I just don't even know what to think about it. What do you think? Um, well, I'm not sure if you mentioned uh, Baltimore drafting Chris Moore, the wide receiver, uh, the deep threat there. Not a lot of competition there. In Kamar Aiken, the 50-year-old Steve Smith, so it's not inconceivable he could get some playing time. He was another receiver that was just outside of my top ten. Um, you know, Cleveland started their run on receivers with uh, Ricardo Lewis in the fourth, followed by a couple guys in the fifth. And you mentioned uh, Kenneth Dixon in Baltimore makes that running back situation a little cloudier. And same goes with Denver with Devontae Booker. You know, they had C.J. Anderson, and they brought Ronnie Hillman back. Now there's Devontae Booker there. It's not looking good as far as uh, fantasy owners looking to avoid the running back by committee there. Uh, I Yeah, I didn't mention Booker. One thing I would strongly suggest to Denver is do not overuse Booker year one. He did hurt his leg last year, so he's not going to be 100% at the start of the season. If they let him just fester for a year, I think that's going to be the best situation. For fantasy, I don't care about Denver, really. I just want to let him <laughs> fester for one year, get really hungry, and then just come out and take over that starting job from C.J. Anderson in 2017 because he's, he's Tiki Barber to me. I absolutely love him. Uh, Tajay Sharp, top of the fifth. Already talked about him. Love it. DeAndre Washington, I was kind of eh on him. Now he's four season Oakland Raider, so I have to like him. I think he's the guy that can catch a lot of passes. He's the third down back that they need. Definitely a sneaky uh, PPR uh, guy, you know, a running back three potential uh, uh, by week filler there. Paul Perkins has got a lot of bodies to contend with, you know, could be another Shane Vereen type of player, even though Shane Vereen is still there. Um, Matt, excuse me, Jordan Howard, definitely taking short yardage carries away from Jeremy Lankford in Chicago. I don't know much what much else we're going to see out of him year one, but we'll see. I love Matt Adonis going to uh, the Washington Redskins there out of Temple. I think that's a great pick for them. It's going to help them a whole lot, hell of a lot. Wendell Smallwood certainly has an opportunity to see some touches there uh, in Philadelphia. Jordan Payton, we already talked about him. Decent decent uh, wide receiver, caught a lot of passes there for UCLA. Uh, Jonathan Williams stuck behind two running backs there in Buffalo. I don't love it. K.J. Dillon, if you can get on the field, could produce some good IDP worthiness playing safety there for Texas for the Texans excuse me still very confused about Kenshaw brothers to the Vikings hopefully he can take over Chad Greenway's role in a year and make a whole lot of tackles don't know of the IDP worthiness but I love DJ Reader to the Texans going to replace uh the who is that big fat man from New England Will Fork he's going to replace Will Fork in the up front there so uh, Alex Collins, and yet another running back going to Seattle. Very confused by what's going on there. And I talked about Josh Perry going to San Diego earlier. I love Jatavius Brown going there. I think he's a, a player that they're going to like a whole hell of a lot. And, of course, Richard Higgins, which 
CBS Sports graded as an F, I think he's potentially the second best receiver in that offense next to, of course, Mr. Corey Coleman. What do you think there, round five, Nick? Uh, to me, round five was just all about teams destroying their running back fantasy value. Uh, the Giants taking Paul Perkins, Chicago, Jordan ha- uh, Howard, uh, Philadelphia, Wendell Smallwood, Buffalo, Jonathan Williams, Seattle, Alex Collins. These backfields were already crowded, and now they're just impossible to figure out. So, <laughs> you know, I would be, if I owned any <laughs> starting running backs in those backfields, round five really angered me. It's like you don't want any of them or you want to own all of them. <laughs> so good luck. And pray that your league is the best ball. Um, I already mentioned that guy, David Morgan. I think Josh Forrest, uh, the Rams in the sixth round, could potentially be some IDP uh, worthiness. Cody Core, I like him in the slot in Cincinnati. He might take a few years. Uh, Michael Thomas, I already mentioned him going to the Rams. I kind of love Jeff Driscoll going to the 49ers and Kelvin Taylor as well. Uh, Kevon Frazier could definitely replace uh, Barry Church or uh, the other safety there in Dallas eventually. Darius Jackson, a nice backup plan there for Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. 6'8", 275 pound, never played football, tied in. They're calling him Rico Gathers going to Bolt. Out of Baylor going to Dallas. We'll see how that situation uh, works out. Will Parks out of Arizona going to Denver. Only because it's Denver, it's somewhat intriguing to me because they like their DBs there and they know how to use them. I think Aaron Burbridge can make some splash there also. But by far the best pick of the last two rounds, Nick. Slam, dunk, home run. Keith Marshall going to Washington. It's a seventh-round pick, so it's not even a gamble, even though he's coming off of an on ACL and not a lot of playing time. I do like Daniel Braverman going to Chicago in the slot, but oh, love I love Keith Marshall, and it might take a year, but well, and we're gonna I'm gonna talk about Keith Marshall in the question and answer. At some point in time this season, Washington's gonna have Marshall in the game, and he's gonna rattle off a 65 yard touchdown, and everybody's gonna be like, Matt Jones, who? Don't you think? Yeah, uh, I like Marshall. I was really surprised the Redskins waited until the seventh round to address the backup running back uh, situation, but they definitely got a steal there with Marshall. Uh, As far as the rest of the sixth and seventh round, uh, I look at a guy like Thomas Duarte, uh, the tight end for Miami. He's a smallish tight end. He's more of a pass catcher. But if I were a Jordan Cameron owner, I would definitely look to add him as a handcuff. Uh, And also, uh, one thing I noticed, you know, there's 253 picks in the draft. At pick 243, Seattle took uh, Kenny Lawler, who was the wide receiver, the favorite wide receiver of their division rival Rams' new quarterback, Jared Goff. Do you think maybe that was just to make sure that Goff wouldn't have a familiar target to throw to in training camp? Had Lawler signed with uh, with the Rams as an undrafted free agent? There could be some sneaky, like, division, uh, I'm going to get you type of thing going on there. Oh, yeah, very uh, very good point. And uh, when... When Lawler is cut right before week one, we'll, we'll know that Nick was right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Scooby Wright potential IDP um, in the seventh round there. And I really like Javon Curse going to the Vikings because he's playing opposite uh, Harrison Smith. I still contend that Curse is going to be a guy, 6'5", playing strong safety, that can just jump up and out physical corners. Oh, excuse me, slot receivers and get his get his big arms there and make him make him work 
make him work in the press coverage game. I think that's a great pick if he can make that team. Um, we're running very short on time, Nick. So let's get to, let's bang out some dynasty trade analysis. I know we can do this. We got dynasty trade analysis and our ty- dynasty top twelve. So we'll just mention those here at the end. Uh, Deion Lewis pick one point one four thoughts. Um, I uh, looking at it objectively, I think it's a very even trade. Personally, I do not like New England running backs, so I would not have traded a late first round pick for a New England running back. But I do think objectively, it is a fair trade on both sides. Well, I was the one getting the pick and trading Deion Lewis, so I, I love it. I think it was an easy easy situation for me there. Uh, Theo Riddick and Nelson Aguilar for Eric Ebron, Sammy Coates, and Tevin Coleman. A lot of second-year players in there. What do you think? Um, I definitely side with the uh, person that picked up Eric Ebron and Tevin Coleman. Nelson Aguilar, it's tough to say in Philadelphia. It seems like they just want to get rid of everybody and everybody and anybody that Chip Kelly brought in. So, uh, you know, he didn't really produce in year one. Tough to say, see what we're going to get from him in year two. So being able to pick up uh, young, talented players like Coleman, Ebron, and Sammy Coates could have more of an opportunity now with uh, with uh, the Martavis Bryant suspension. So I definitely like the side that picked up the three players. Okay. Willie's? Yeah, I, I agree there, too. Theo Riddick's a great PPR ad for a couple of years. And if you expect something from Aguilar down the road, I don't, I don't disagree with that. So I think it's a fairly even trade, but I do love me some Ebron there. So Willie Sneed and Sammy Watkins for pick 1.01, so Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, 1.42, this is DFW 48, obviously, so that's a late first. 2.09 and 3.01, what do you think? I think right now I wouldn't even trade Ezekiel Elliott for Sammy Watkins and Willie Sneed straight up. So the fact that you're adding also a late first, a second, and a third on top of that Ezekiel Elliott pick, I think that is a steal. I would do that any day of the week. Agreed. Uh, Sammy Watkins still needs a quarterback of the future there. So, yeah, even, yeah, yeah, like you said, Snead and Watkins for Elliott, hell no. Um, And neither one of us are going to have Elliott. But, uh Dynasty Top 12, and we'll bid you happy rookie drafting after that. Why don't you just give us your Dynasty Top 12 right now, Nick, going 12-1. to 1. What do you think? Well, at 12, I have uh, Farrell Cooper, the wide receiver in Los Angeles. At 11, his teammate Jared Goff, uh, the quarterback there for the Los Angeles Rams. You know, those two could provide a pretty good future moving forward. They have a, a good chance there. At number 10, I have Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, number 9, Will Fuller in Houston. Number 8, Carson Wentz, the quarterback in Philly. That might be a little bit high, but I'm just really not a believer in the other quarterbacks in this draft, so Carson Wentz, you know, might get overdrafted if other people have the same feeling. Uh, number 7, I have Michael Thomas, the Ohio State Michael Thomas that went to New Orleans. Number 6, Tyler Boyd, uh, Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, uh, number 5, Sterling Shepard, 4, Josh Doxson, 3, Corey Coleman, 2, and of course, Ezekiel Elliott has to be the consensus number 1. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, what? Elliot, number one? Um, <laughs> so, my dynasty top 12, and this is some, I, I, this has been kind of a changing thing, so I'm just going to hold it on to this. Right now, I have uh, Derek, or excuse me, Jared Goff at number 12. Um, just, I think he's the best quarterback of this class, and I think that's going to play out in the next handful of years. Uh, Derek Henry at 11. 
again, he's just being groomed to be the next DeMarco Murray, except it's a Tennessee Titans uniform. I do believe that is the case. Uh, Mike Thomas at number 10, excuse me. Yeah, Mike Thomas is going to miss Mike Thomas. Already been there, followed by Malcolm Mitchell. The other Mike, Michael Thomas, Will Fuller, Tyler Boyd, Sterling Shepard, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell, Corey Coleman, and, of course, Ezekiel Elliott. So, Elliott, Coleman, Treadwell, Doxson, Shepard, Boyd, Floyd, excuse me, Boyd, Fuller, Thomas, Mitchell, Thomas, Henry, Goff is my, is my top 12 there. You know, I'm sure you'll see a lot of that same type of action there in your uh, in your rookie drafts there. So, uh, any uh, any closing thoughts there, Nick? Um, I'll just say that if you really like one of these top receivers, uh, like a Josh Doxson or a Corey Coleman, they could maybe get off to slow starts. So if you don't have a top pick, you know, you could maybe draft a guy like Tyler Boyd and say in, you know, October, November, if Boyd gets off to a hot start or if a guy like Malcolm Mitchell or Michael Thomas gets off to a hot start, flip him for a guy like Josh Doxson if you really believe that in 2017 Doxson or, you know, somebody, one of the other top receivers that doesn't get off to such a hot start. You know, if you believe in their future, go ahead and flip them midseason, and you can get some good value there. And you're talking about Ohio State Michael Thomas. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, he's All right. Michael Thomas. Here, yeah, there you go. So, next week, look forward to Michael Thomas versus Michael Thomas. And let's also do, and Nick, um, I think it's yeah, August, I will figure it out. But anyway, we'll also do Kenneth Dixon versus Devontae Booker. Why not? Running back cluster versus running back cluster. So as we touch on the running backs next week, so make sure you check that out. We'll do our revised post-draft top ten running backs uh, next Wednesday. So happy rookie drafting, people. And uh, tweet us. Let us know what's going on. We want to hear your thoughts and uh, the weird trends and what you're seeing. So appreciate that. Make sure you rate the show on iTunes. It helps other people like you uh, get the edge. I know you don't want your friends to get the edge, but you know, tell people about us that are in different leagues. So uh, we would, and we would appreciate that. So thank you very much. Uh, and have a great week. Next, talk to you next Wednesday. Sounds good. <laughs>